Hey everyone, welcome to that Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. My name's Shannon, I'm your host. I'm mum of three boys, ex-32-weeker twins, Bo and Luca, and our full-term singleton, Angus. Um, <coughs> today, we are speaking with Nikita, whose first baby was born at 25 weeks, um, which I think is the earliest that we've had on the show so far from memory uh she was a young mum so she was grappling with extreme prematurity um a micro preemie as they call them uh yeah she um she struggled a bit she had no maternity leave because she'd left her job sooner than she had planned um she didn't have much of a support system that could relate. Like she didn't know anyone that had had an extremely prim baby before. Um, and yeah, they had quite a few difficulties and um, quite scary circumstances while they were in the, in the coup. Uh, but they pulled through and she has since had a second baby who was born at 40 weeks and four days at 10 pound so she's really been on both ends of the spectrum um and yeah I'm looking forward to chatting with her and I hope you enjoy sure so there is four of us in our family there's myself and my partner and then we have Hugo who was our preemie he's eight and Fergus um his little brother who is two so um an age difference between them six years how'd you find the age gap um it was really hard to start with um you know I always say to people that ask about that is like yes uh the independence is there yeah with a you know just over six year age gap but they're so much more emotionally aware yeah um so he would verbalize things like you know I feel I feel like you're leaving me out you know or I feel like I'm not spending time with you so it's that aspect of it was really hard and it was an adjustment but like now it is amazing do they get on really well they do now yeah it took away it took a little bit yeah um but now they're they're great mates now of course you know there's a threshold with an eight-year-old you know and a two-year-old yeah um when they're playing together but it takes a lot to get there you know it takes a lot to reach that threshold yeah I'm just wondering because my brother and I are um we're four years apart and we always yeah. struggled but then like you know I'm a girl and he's a boy so we didn't yeah. have the same interest anyway so yeah. that's probably more of what what the yeah. problem was with us yeah we had to navigate as well the um because I'm not with Hugo's dad right so we also had to navigate the you know a new brother coming along and yeah. then that role of my partner changing yeah yeah. you know for you know for the kids as well so that's it was something to navigate but we got there do they get on well you go yeah they partner? do yeah they do they do he's yeah. been like Finn has been there since he was three so he doesn't oh, right. know any difference you know yeah. that's what he's grown up with yeah but yeah having another wee baby when you're six yeah is a lot yeah yeah, yeah. I can imagine yeah all right do you want to go kind of back to the beginning and talk us through your pregnancy with Hugo Sure. So I found out that I was pregnant pretty early on, which was great. Good to be prepared. Um, And I had a really textbook pregnancy. You know, I had a little bit of nausea. Um, I think I was sick a handful of times, fit and healthy, no issues, no complications whatsoever. It was very, very straightforward. How old were you? Because you said you were a young mum. Yeah, 22 when I had him. Right. Um, Which, you know, I felt very young. Yeah. You know, I know there are some people that, you know, are well prepared and choose to have children that young, but yeah. I thought I knew everything and I looked back and I knew nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As you do it. <laughs> yeah. You're like in your 30s and you're like, oh my God, what was I doing? <laughs> I know. I know. Would never, never regret it. <laughs> but if I had a little bit more life experience under my um under my belt, I think that definitely would have helped. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you ended up having Hugo at 25 weeks I did do you want to kind of talk us through how how you got to labor (laughs) yes 
was there any so, indications prior to spontaneous labor that something was going to happen or no there was absolutely nothing so it was a, a really true spontaneous um spontaneous labor so I was just getting ready for work um on Friday morning end of the week you know oh, in my, always in on my, the weekend eh? yeah in my you know office casuals which was uh <laughs> you know always a hit and kind of like had breakfast and started having like a little bit of tummy pain yeah. and you know rang my midwife and you know of course you know oh round ligament pain everything's moving yeah. maybe take the morning off work and just rest yeah so you know I messaged my boss and let, let him know what was happening um and from there it just kind of got worse and worse so it was labor yeah. but I had no clue what yeah. was happening so, you, so were, yeah. you were obviously so early that you hadn't really got to that point with your midwife no. right no, to like discuss what labor feels like no that and it honestly didn't even go through my brain so yes yeah, so about seven o'clock those pains started um, by 8.30, I was literally crawling around on the oh floor, like full-blown labor. Yeah. Um, the ambulance was called. There was a huge delay with them. So they were flat tack that morning. So it took them about an hour to get to me. Yeah. Which was terrifying because, yeah. you know, I had that, I had that urge to push mm. and you've got all those things going on in your brain, you know, what's happening what's going to happen yeah it's, it's normal clearly it wasn't normal um but, <laughs> but you, know, you don't you know it's your first pregnancy point. like I say you haven't got yeah. to that point where and you start you discussing think, labor yeah you think the absolute absolute worst of course you mm. are in that moment so mm. managed to get to the hospital I think just before 10 and they first of all they took me to the emergency department which was awful in itself. So okay. I had to be wheeled in there. And then they wheeled me through the hospital to um, the kind of labor and delivery area. And um, yeah, straight in there, my midwife was there. My mum was there. And she did a full check. And I was fully dilated by that stage. Oh, my God. And that was, yeah, and that was 24 weeks, five days. Um, so you hadn't had anything like overnight, like no back nothing. pain? nothing no. else it literally no, was just nothing. like zero to a hundred no and I was joking um after this had all happened as well but like, that was the best sleep I'd had since I'd been pregnant <laughs> I hadn't woken up feeling sick it was you know I was well rested yeah which was actually great in the grand scheme of it all um yeah. but yeah then kind of got checked they there was nothing they could do at that point they couldn't stop labor um yeah. it was happening so in between the contractions, you know, it was information overload of what they mm. wanted to do and what they were going to do. Yeah. At, you know, I, because I wasn't prepared for labor at that stage, I didn't know that I could say no to things. Yeah. Which I look back now and I wish I had just been a little bit more educated yeah. on that fact. Um, everything they did really worked out for us, um, which was amazing. Yeah. But um, I wish I'd had a little bit more knowledge at that time because they were firing things at me. I was having to sign things between contractions, um, yeah. giving them consent to do all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah. But I was lucky I managed to get an epidural um, at about between two and three mid-afternoon. And once I had that on board and I was able just to relax and not yeah. be in, you know, in pain, basically, I had kind of that time to really process what was happening yeah, yeah. and to you know look at all this information that they had handed me and kind of come to terms with what was going on yeah but yeah we were really lucky I was in labor from the morning on Friday right through all day Friday all day Saturday the goal was oh to keep them in for God. as long as we could yeah as long as we could um, but it got to the point on Saturday afternoon where they said to me if he's not here by eight o'clock tomorrow morning we're just, we're going to have to get you in for a C-section because... So it like slowed down once you got the epidural? Um, I felt like it slowed down, mm. um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I was in kind of la-la land at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, you know, they gave all that information to me, a C-section, you know, the next morning, eight o'clock, if you haven't had him. Yeah. And then they gave me all the awful pamphlets that they give you with the stats in it. Mm. And... That was what really, it motivated me, but it terrified me because it had on yeah. there, 
at this stage I was 24 weeks, six days. Yeah. And they have the, the awful survival rates. I don't know if they still have it. Yeah. Um, but they had, Which you know, hospital 20... were you in? This was at um, Christchurch Women's. Right. So it had, you know, 24 weeks and the survival rate wasn't great. Yeah. And then it had 25 weeks and it jumped up like 30% or something ridiculous. Yeah. But that's when I had in my mind, okay, like one more day, I have to make it one more day. Midnight. Exactly. <laughs> you know, not that it would have, you know, not that I could control anything, yeah. but that was in my brain. And yeah, yeah then three o'clock the next morning, it was all go. My waters finally broke. They hadn't actually broken yet. Oh my God. So yeah, my waters finally broke and then he was here 15 minutes later. Wow. Yeah. What a story. So kept him in for as long as I could. Yeah, you did it. You made it to 25 weeks. Yeah. And I was really worried about the C-section as well, because in that lovely pamphlet, you know, they go through all the risks. So any intervention, um, you know, poses a risk basically. Um, And at that stage, I wasn't concerned for myself. The risk on me, I didn't care about. It was, you know, getting him here safely and um, for him to be as healthy as he could possibly be. Did you have Um, the steroids? I did. I had um, steroids. I had antibiotics as well, um, just in case of any infection. Uh, But, yeah, I think I had everything that I could possibly have um, with time afterwards as well. So. Yeah. And how, so how big was he when he was born? He was 785 grams. Oh so tiny wee nugget. Yeah. But um, like they, they said that was a great size. For yeah, well, weaker, I, so. I've had a um a 28-weeker. He had severe IUGR, but he was the, uh, 695 grams on one yes, of my last I've, episodes. I listened to that and yeah. that blew me away. Because I can't even imagine a smaller baby than what I saw. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Eh? And when you, when you can fit your child in your hand, yeah, you know it's yeah. it's mind blowing. And then you yeah. see them as a you know eight year old mm. running around jumping on the trampoline. You just can't put two and two together. No, my twins no. were one point eight kilos yeah. each, and my cousin had her baby um earlier this year at thirty three weeks due to preeclampsia, and he was one point nine or just under two. And like I. I remember holding him when he was like a month old. I was like, and he was bigger than what the twins were. Yeah. And I was like, how? Like, how is this baby so small? It's insane. But then I feel like now, if you've ever been a mum to a, you know, a preem baby, you see a full term baby. Yeah. And you're like, oh my gosh, they're giant. Like, yeah. They look like a toddler compared to <laughs> what you've seen. It's, it's, yeah. yeah Angus Lee Singleton was 3.8 kilos at birth. He was a wow. 39 weeker. Yeah. So he, he was. He weighed more than the twins put together. Oh my gosh. My second um baby, Fergus, he was ten pounds. Yeah, that's wild. At birth. And he was a C section, emergency C section, and the first thing I said when they pulled him out was just he's giant. Yeah. yeah. Like the first words when your baby's born, but you know, he he looked huge. Yeah. 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 It's weird, eh? <laughs> anyway, oh, back, back, back to Hugo. Um yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> How was he after birth? So, of course, they kind of whisked him away um, straight after he was born and um, did everything. They intubated him, um, which I was prepared for. They told me that was, you know, very likely. Um, They did the procedure where they connect all the lines to where the umbilical cord was um, to get everything into him. And when I finally got up to see him, which wasn't actually until like mid-morning that day, they yeah. kind of explained everything to me and they really prepared me for, um, you know, you're in the honeymoon period, you know, things are probably going to be okay for the next, you know, 48 hours. And mm. it will be after that 48 hours that, you know, we start to do kind of two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. So they really, they really prepared me that it wasn't going to be smooth sailing. When, and before glad. you had him, when you were in labor, had you had like NICU doctors come and speak to you or did you just have that pamphlet I had um our consultant come down right and she kind of broke down the process to me and you know the whole you know what to expect and yeah. I obviously wasn't in a state to go up and see the NICU yeah um but you know she kind of told me how everything worked what room we would be in yeah. how many nurses would be looking after him at a time no. um you know what I could do as well Oh, um, good. which was really helpful 
you know, because you feel a little bit useless in yeah. those situations. So, you know, we spoke about um, hopefully being able to, you know, get some colostrum and then eventually some milk mm. for him, um, having the chance to, to do his cares. Yeah. Um, so that really helped as well because in my mind I had that he was going to be whisked away yeah. and that I would be, you know, looking at him through the wall of his incubator. Yeah, yeah. So that really helped. So you didn't go in blind when you no when you did no. Well, I had no idea what the NICU was. Yeah, you know, I hadn't ever. I had had never heard of it. I didn't know such a place existed. (laughs) So I think if it wasn't for her really telling me what it was like, um, you know, it was overwhelming going in there with that information. If I hadn't have known that, I honestly think I would have stepped in the doors and walked back out again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a scary place, eh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So you went in went and met him that afternoon or that morning. Yeah. And then how, how did it go from there? How was it for you guys? Um, it was long. It was mm-hmm. very, very long. Um, so I was really lucky to stay in the hospital for about four nights after he was born. I know that some people are sent away pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um so I was in there for those you know, four nights. But with that and the NICU being such a scary place, I I pretty much just hid in my room until yeah. someone rang me and t- pretty much told me to go down. Yeah. Um, I was in a really weird headspace at mm. that time. And, you know, I had that awful feeling of, and I don't know if many other people go through it, of I thought the worst thing was going to happen and I was trying to protect myself from getting hurt. Yeah. So I didn't want to go down there and, you know, get really attached. Yeah. And it sounds yeah. it sounds really awful to verbalize it, but I can completely understand why yeah. I felt that way. So yeah. the times that I did go down there, they were hard but they were good. Um, but I definitely needed that kind of push. And then as yeah. time went on and I was more familiar with the environment, I was more familiar with the people, I felt more comfortable. I knew what role I could play there. Yeah. Um, it was definitely easier. So we were quite lucky. We had um for the first two weeks pretty smooth sailing. Um, and then we hit hit a bit of a rock when he had fluid on one of his lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our first kind of big issue that we encountered. Um, but they managed to drain that and we were looking great. Got mm-hmm. our first cuddles after that, which was always, you know, really nice. It's such yeah. a special moment to have those. Yeah. And I think we had a couple of days worth of cuddles, which was great. And then um, we were in there one day and everyone was kind of, you know, fussing around him and you had that awful gut feeling, you know, something's wrong. Mm. And we were approached by the consultant pulled into a separate room, um, which again, you know, that's not great either. And they had found out that he had sepsis. So, yeah. So we were like, okay, all right, let's deal with that. Um, got on board with that and then that afternoon pulled into the same room again so I was like oh no like what what's worse than sepsis it's like the awful side room like no one wants to go in there it's not a nice place to be and so Mm. we got called in there again and they had discovered that he had a coli meningitis so that was kind of the big oh crap moment in there and you have the awful conversations that no one ever wants to have you know especially about babies um you know all the you know we're gonna have to do a lumbar puncture but he's so small here are all the awful effects of that do you want to proceed with that and then this is the type of treatment that he's going to have to have these are the effects from that do you want to proceed with that Mm. um but I don't I just naturally said yes Mm. um and I had a gut feeling that everything was going to be okay. And I said that to them as well. Everything's going to be fine. Just go ahead and do what you have to do. So at that stage, I was prepared to have a severely disabled child. Yeah. Um, e. coli meningitis, well. is that the one that attacks the brain? Um, I honestly didn't take in all the information. Um, but the way they basically explained it to us is was because he had no barriers in his body, everything was so small, um, it would just kind of take over everything, right. essentially, um, yeah. which is very scary. Yeah. So, yeah, they 
kind of prepped us for that and I I don't think I left his side for about three days I stayed Mm. at the hospital didn't change my clothes anything Mm. we were just you know just there so so worried and we were one of the lucky ones so everything was fine no um or you don't you don't you never know if there's going to be any issues from things Mm. like that until later on down the track but there were Mm. no issues from that which was fantastic and he he pulled through it all which is amazing yeah you know it's especially back then technology has advanced so much now yeah um you know what the information that they had and everything they did back then was obviously just the right choice at that moment so yeah yeah, some very smart people (laughs) that work yeah for sure we're very we're very lucky to live where we live where they do have the capacity to first of all deliver a 25 weeker safely yes yeah and yeah look after them when they are incredibly sick yeah and then from then on it was just your kind of stock standard micro premier issues that you have so adjusting Mm. you know breathing support and kind Mm. of figuring that out as he grew bigger establishing his feeding um you know and that's always the hardest part that was what kept us in the unit so (laughs) I they had the chat with me you know the possibility of having an NG tube going home um and that terrified me and I spoke very openly about that to our social worker and I said look like we've been in here at that point we'd been in there for over 100 days and I said um when I take him home I don't want to take him home with anything like I just want to take him home as a baby I don't want to be you know worrying about all this extra stuff um that and then I was just terrified of you know hurting him having to put that in and what if I did something wrong and we've come so far and it would be all my fault you know there's something wrong with that and they were really supportive of that at the time so we were able to room in for slightly longer to get that um get his feeding going um so we just did you know a bit of a mixture of breastfeeding he was so tiny so he would just fall asleep Mm -hmm. um every feed you know we had a little bit of having bottle feeds and then um you know if all else failed the tube would go in and he would get a top up from there but after four I think four or five days I roomed in and when we brought him home he was feeding great how how long before around his due date did he come home like how old was he I think it was like only a few days after right so he was so he was just term he just figured it out yep yes they do so yeah I think you know and being just that little bit bigger yeah a little bit more energy yeah so how heavy was he when you brought him home I think he was bang on seven pound wow yeah so like a pretty good size to be bringing a wee like micro prem home yeah well that's that's a newborn baby that's seven pounder yeah average size yeah yeah no he yeah, he was definitely wearing newborn clothing at that stage yeah so I remember like really fondly getting rid of all the prem stuff yeah and most of it had never again cut. oh most of it had like holes cut in the heels anyway for lines to go through and you know <laughs> oh, they're all the bloody dome ones oh which are the yes. worst yeah the awful dome ones um we le- we honestly we left most of our stuff there yeah and um just donated it and then I kept a couple of little you know teeny tiny things for our memory box um but I I didn't want to hold on to that stuff I was happy to happy to let it go yeah I was very much the same I kept like some of the like a little knitting I think I kept one outfit each yeah the rest of it I was like I (laughs) know I don't need it (laughs) no it's you know some things are really nice to look back on and it's nice to have those wee reminders but you don't want too many reminders no, you know I think I gave most of mine to my friend for her um her daughter's like dolls oh yes they fit yeah dolls. yeah well funny you say that because I remember when he first went into into clothes um you know prem was huge on him yeah so like I was looking way back when um pumpkin patch was around yeah. at the teddy bear section yeah because that was honestly like the size that he was. Yeah. And crazy, yeah. the yeah, the ladies that worked there were really nice. And they were like, You're not the first person to look in this section. Well, maybe you should was... make some smaller clothes then. I know. That's what I well the, I they I don't even know if they're still around now. I don't but it could have been so. it could have been a good business idea for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of your Nico journey was quite smooth sailing, just breathing support, feeding, growing. Yeah. 
yeah it was and we you know you're in there for that long you become friends with all the staff yeah. you know and you develop like quite a personal relationship so you know the last kind of month there that I was there it was you know I was going there obviously to look after and to see my baby mm. um but it was also like I was just going to kind of catch up with a couple of friends yeah so yeah. the environment became you know so much nicer yeah and we were in um you know room room one which is your high level care room for about nine weeks so it took us a long kind of a long time to get into those more I don't want to say relaxed rooms mm. um but you know you've got less beeping going on yeah which you know was a big and it's, it's still now I don't really cope being in that environment yeah um you know it just overwhelms me in a way yeah um so when you kind of move through the rooms I think we only got to about room three um in our in our stay but the whole environment just kind of became more relaxed yeah you know yeah. and we we were lucky to to go through with a few people um that we were kind of neighbors with I want to say um mm. kind of the whole way through so having like those familiar faces and those familiar families around us too mm. Mm. makes a big difference and you do um you do make like wonderful friendships when you're in oh, there you do. like yeah, one of my it's... best friends I met when we were in in Nico she had twins as well and we're still like really good friends she's actually due to have her her third baby soon um oh that's exciting yeah, yeah. but you do you like you hold on to those people because they understand exactly what you're going through and they do you need and it's hard to find them yes yes yeah. and you you do you need that like lack of sterility between people talking about Niku and hospital yeah. and, and everything yeah but overall quite a positive quite a positive experience for you in the unit yeah yeah really really positive I think you know my naivety really worked in my favor yeah. and kind of not knowing I had nothing to compare it to yeah um but I you know I had a sense of control when I was in there yeah um which I think if you don't have that that's kind of when things can head south mm. um you know when you feel like choices are being made for you um yeah. or for for your child but they were really great at you know getting getting me involved in every single choice that was being made um you know allowing me to do anything that I could possibly do and yeah. encouraging me to do it as well um mm. giving me that little push if I needed it yeah uh, which was which was you know helpful being so kind of young and unsure like obviously yeah. I hadn't done um I had worked with children and babies in the past um but when it's your own it's very different yeah, so yeah. yeah I definitely needed needed that support around me in the mm. NICU mm. yeah for sure and then you well six years later got pregnant with Fergus I did and I how did. was that so, in comparison to to your pregnancy with Hugo very very different we had a few issues um being pregnant with Fergus um to start with so I had um recurrent miscarriage before I was pregnant with him um all, I'm sorry about that that's hard uh, it, it's, it's really hard and we were just really lucky to get you know pregnant and for it, it to stick because I know for so many people that's not the case and yeah yeah it's not a journey that anyone wants to be on at no. all um but we were yeah, we were really lucky we had um three miscarriages and then I fell pregnant with Fergus and that pregnancy was just kind of the complete opposite to right. to Fergus so I uh, to Hugo sorry so um a little bit more kind of nausea um I kind of had all everything so you know I was really really tired and um you know I, I don't know whether it's an age thing, you know, difference of being pregnant in your early 20s versus, you know, your late 20s. Um, I think it's really... also having another child yes. that you've got to yeah. worry about. Like when I was pregnant with the twins, I could sleep all weekend. And then I was oh, exactly. pregnant with Angus and I couldn't even sleep at all. They stopped napping. No, no, you don't get that same kind of like downtime. No, you don't. Um, but his, his pregnancy was good. I had a great midwife who was really supportive and I had the chat with her right at the start that, um, obviously having so much intervention um, yeah. with Hugo that I kind of wanted everything to be as hands-off as it possibly could be. Um, yeah. So I didn't really want to be weighed. I didn't want to be measured um, kind of in any way, sense or form. Obviously, you know, when you're in the NICU, 
everything is based on numbers. Yeah. And I didn't want to go down that track again of becoming yeah. fixated yeah. on numbers and yeah. things like that. So she was very happy to stay away from that. And we just had the chat um, where we both agreed if there was anything that she really recommended um, that I do for, you know, health and safety for both me and this baby coming along mm. um, that we would have a really open discussion about it and I would you know listen to her and take that that on board yeah um, and she was wonderful I wasn't her first high-risk pregnancy um, which was amazing so she was very proactive she got the referral through um, to um, women's again so I was going fortnightly to have a scan um, to have my cervix measured because they yeah. were never sure of why Hugo came early. They kind of had to investigate everything. So yeah. they were measuring my cervix. They were, you know, having a look at um, the baby as well, making sure everything was great with them. And then I would go see the obstetrician after my scan and we would kind of chat through um, everything there. And that was great. That was really reassuring until mm. I just struck a bag. I, I got a bad egg basically it wasn't the same um, obstetrician that I would see every fortnight and I went at about 24 weeks and so they were an anxious going... time for you yeah really anxious and they were going to um discharge me that week from their services no. and she said to me as well how, how do you feel about that and I said look just one more like just one more scan and one more meeting and I'll, yeah. I'll be okay like I just need to get past this 25 week yeah. mark so it would have been 26 weeks um, and you know, can we just get to that point basically? Yeah. And you would have thought I'd ask for a million dollars, you know, it was <laughs> the biggest deal in the world and you know, oh, well, if we have to, I guess we can, um, you know, I guess we can do that. And then the kicker was as we were leaving, like something you never ever want to hear after having a premature birth, you know, you say kind of, you know, oh, goodbye, you know, see you later. And then she goes, oh, we'll see you next time if you're still pregnant. <sighs> And that was just, that cut me deep. Like yeah. that really got me going. And yeah. my partner and I were leaving and I kind of just like looked at him because when, you know, when you're pregnant, your mood is everywhere and yeah. it's really easy to overanalyze things when your hormones are just going wild. And I just looked at him and just said like, did you hear that? Mm. Like, was that just me or was that actually what she said? Yeah. And um, yeah, no, it was actually what she said. And I don't know whether that was just the way she said it or I, I just I don't know what she meant by it um it's, it's frustrating because you know like I've said it a hundred times it's their job and they're just being you know blase exactly. she's literally she probably didn't mean it in any malicious way she was just like right. oh if you're still pregnant because this is your you know your red zone yeah yeah but it's it's not like it's so much more than that to you I know it's, it's just your that pregnancy, you know, choose... it's your body it's your baby it's yeah yeah and you know I went in that appointment on edge mm. and I'm not good at hiding my feelings so like she yeah. would have seen and she would have noticed that as well yeah. so yeah. that was you know the hard point but we got through obviously um we yeah. made it past past all of that and I actually went overdue with him in the end so my due date kind of rolled around and I was you know ready to go and the next day rolled around and the next day rolled around <laughs> and by that stage I was a big balloon I had so much swelling like I couldn't close my hands I couldn't yeah. fit any shoes I was just very big and the weather was getting hot it wasn't a great time but um yeah four days over I had him oh. um yeah so I kind of went into that like this was my redemption moment yeah, basically yeah. in life like you know I'm gonna I had planned um I'm gonna have this beautiful water birth and um it's gonna be you know a really nice intimate moment there's gonna be you know as few people in the room as possible and mm. um had all that in my mind and you know the first step was great we got to um the birthing unit that I had planned to have this water birth at and we got the bath, you know, filled up and I was walking up the stairs and my waters broke and I had meconium in my waters. Oh no. And it was that instant heartbreak um, of yeah. that being taken away. So yeah. um yeah, obviously had to get dressed again. I was off in the ambulance back to women's. Um and from there, like that just kind of threw me into a headspin. Mm. You know, again, like I had lost that like sense of control. Yeah. Um, so I you know, kind of got to women's, 
laboured and laboured and laboured and laboured and got to, to eight centimetres dilated. And things just started going backwards. I lost a lot of blood. My cervix started to thicken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had asked for an epidural. They didn't have staff to give me one. Um, so it was almost kind of like a repeat situation, Yeah. you know, of what happened before, apart from I was overdue. Yeah. And um, it got to the point where, you know, my midwife was starting to get quite concerned. So she brought the obstetrician in, which was one of the obstetricians, thankfully, that I had seen quite a few times and got along really well with. Mm. And um, yeah, she had a you know, a big kind of full look and a chat to my midwife and I was straight through for an emergency C-section. Yeah. And, you know, I am so happy that he was here um, and everything went smoothly and he was happy and healthy. Um, but yeah, my my redemption uh, birth didn't quite go didn't quite no. go to plan, and like that took a lot of time to adjust to as well. Yeah, because I'd already gone through that horrible feeling um, of feeling like my body had failed me the first time mm. around, mm. you know. And I think it's really hard to not put the blame on yourself, even yeah. when you know ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's completely out of your control. Yeah, um, and then having that again, you know not that well, I know now a section gosh that is the furthest thing from failure yeah um, 100% the healing you have to do from that you know is astonishing. phenomenal yeah exactly um so you know it's the complete opposite but that is definitely something that I had to kind of process and accept um and move forward with um yeah. but then the weirdest thing was just bringing a baby home I know it feels illegal you know, like I was in hospital, I had lost a, a bit of blood and I had to have a couple of blood transfusions and that. So I was in the hospital for about four or five days, um, but he was with me the whole time. Yeah. And yeah, then he was just put in a car seat and brought home. Like It was just <laughs> the weirdest thing. And I kept saying um, to my partner as well, I just, I just can't believe it's coming home. Like, yeah. This is the most bizarre thing. The weirdest thing for me was that the baby was like an afterthought. Yeah. Like, and Nika, you've obviously got to jump through all of these hopes to be able to go yeah. home. You've got to sign discharge papers. You've got to do this and that and the other thing, car seat tests, everything. Yeah. With a full term baby, they're just like, oh, yeah, this baby all good. See you later. You're yeah. Like, you, you don't want to look at it? And you're like, no. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is bizarre. It, it is so weird. And then, like, you kind of get home and it's like, you know, when I brought Hugo home, we had like the outreach nurse there kind of every yeah. other day yeah. and, um, you know, phone calls from different people and we were looking at, you know, early intervention for him. Like there was so much going on. Yeah. And then second time around, like I just had this baby and I'm like, like, I can, I obviously couldn't drive, but I'm like, I can like take this baby out, yeah. you know, and I don't, you know, with Hugo, I always would put a rain cover over him Yeah, because I was so terrified that he would get sick and would be back in hospital. And like second time around, I'm like, I can just put you in a front pack and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, if I need to go to the supermarket, I can take you to the supermarket. Like yeah. all those little things that you never, ever think, you know, you'd think about. And I was like, yeah. I just feel so free. And you, know? you can, it's... you can like do everything on your own schedule and your own time. Like you yes. come home from NICU and you're like, like I was the same as you, very focused on the numbers. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, has they have they had their full hundred eighty mil bottle? Exactly. And it hasn't been three oh. hours yet. But then with Angus, with my singleton, I was just like, I breastfed him. Well, I'm still breastfeeding him. Yeah. And I was just like, no, oh, he's all good. He had he had ten minute babe. Yeah. <laughs> you like just completely let go of it. You get to do it on. Yeah. You follow the baby's lead. You follow your own lead. You follow your instincts. Yeah, it's a bizarre feeling. It is. it is really bizarre and he was um both you know when I brought Hugo home from the hospital the NICU was so good at just setting him up with a routine yes so he was you know he'd be fed every three hours he would sleep at certain times and yes. you know that was great and then when I brought Fergus home I'm like okay um they like to throw you for baby? a loop eh? yeah I'm like okay so like when do I feed him and it was yeah. like kind of all those little things that I had to learn baby cues you know, mm. what cues yeah. did your baby make when they're hungry? And yeah. all those simple things that you, you would usually, you know, learn as a first-time parent. Yeah. And I'm learning it as a second-time parent, yeah. you know. Angus hated that, sleep as well. Like the twins, you could put them down and they'd go to sleep because they were just used to that in Niku, yeah. putting down, go to sleep. Angus hated sleep. 
oh he yeah had to be like even yeah. still now he's 14 months it has to be like the perfect environment or oh, he ain't sleeping say, me like fergus was always um he's just moved into a big boy bed um but he was always fed to sleep rocked to sleep yeah. you know we ended up actually using um a wonderful woman she's a holistic sleep coach with him yeah because i was like i thought I knew how babies slept. Yeah, no. Nah. Like, what is this? I had. They lure you in that... those Niku babies. Oh, I know. I had the second baby that was awake like every twenty to you know forty minutes of the night. Yeah. I was like, what am I doing wrong? I should, I should know this. But yeah. um, she was great. She was. Um, she saved us essentially, <laughs> and um, and got us you know a lot more sleep than what we were having. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just just the weirdest thing having yeah. this big 10 pound baby that I couldn't even put in newborn clothes <laughs> yeah. you know like it was honestly just the opposite yeah yeah <laughs> did you other than the fact you had a c-section did you find his birth like healing in a way to not have your baby like taken away from you and getting those initial first yeah. moments together I did I did you know being able to um I wasn't able to hold him straight away because my, my arms had gone numb with the <laughs> Um, but just having him, like, you know, my partner was sitting really close to me, having him, you know, right there, yeah. um, was definitely really, really healing. Not having, you know, your baby quickly shown to you in an incubator. Yeah. I, you know, Hugo, I quickly got to touch his hand and then he was, he was gone. Um, yeah. you know, yeah, Fergus, I got to have, you know, right close to me and, you know, I got to have that skin on skin with him as soon as I could you know and those nice little like bonding moments of just like sitting in the hospital having a cuddle uninterrupted yeah 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 really nice not having anything beeping yes no wires to you know no no oxygen to navigate oh i know no masks to readjust if they move their heads you know one millimeter yes (laughs) did you find your bonding experience different i definitely did it happened a lot quicker Mm. um I would say, you know, there wasn't kind of any fear there that something was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, a lot more relaxed. And, yeah. you know, I had said to myself as well quite a lot that I just really need to enjoy it. Like, yeah. you know, having a new baby is hard, you know, regardless if they're, you know, a prem baby, if they've got a medical issue, if, you know, they're full term. Mm. Um, but I had that kind of mentality of like, you know, whatever happens, I'm just going to enjoy every moment that I can yeah and I honestly don't think I put him down you know the whole time we were in the hospital yeah you know I was just like right I'm gonna hold him nice and close and um you know I had him in the the pee pee pod there yeah and you know wedged myself on the corner of the bed um like I just didn't want to be separated yeah from him I really wanted to soak up all that nice bonding that we had uh together but it was it was it was really healing just having you know that full-term baby and kind of knowing that I could have a full-term baby as as odd as that sounds like my my body was capable of doing that which you know made me feel really proud as well yeah yeah 100% and it was an achievement you went overdue like that's oh I know yeah yeah once I got past fun, like but... 33 weeks with Angus I was like because I was really anxious leading up to it because the twins came at 32 weeks I was really yeah. anxious leading up to that that kind of stage and then once I got to like 33 34 weeks I was like nah this is all good we're good and then I got to like 37 weeks I was like when is this gonna end like... oh, I know <laughs> well I had it in my mind as well um because I was on um aspirin with with Fergus yeah and um I was also on progesterone as well. Yeah. And so that all stopped between 36 and 37 weeks. And when that stopped, I was like, right, things this are going like to start and like, we're <laughs> going to be good. And, you know, and kind of between that, like 37 and 39 weeks, I was like, right, any day now, come yeah. on, you know, let's yeah. have this baby. And then, yeah, it was just plain rude, really. Another kind of week <laughs> rolled on, another week rolled on. But I was convinced I was going to go really overdue, but he ended up coming at 39 weeks. Oh, it still feels like a lifetime though when you've had an early baby. Yeah. It does. Like, how do people do this all the time? Like how I do don't people know. do this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, my my friends, so her first babies were twins. They were twenty eight weekers. And yeah. she has um incompetent cervix. So mm-hmm. this time with her baby she had the stitch put in yeah. at like twelve or thirteen weeks and she was like 
she was like, I'm not going to even make it to 36 weeks when the stitch comes out. She's like, baby's got like so much pressure. Like she's just going to come out. Now yeah. she's like 38 and a bit weeks. And she's like, I'm going to oh. be pregnant forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard when you get like, you know, like the numbers thing, like you get that kind of like date and timeline in your yes, head. Yes. And when it doesn't happen, you're like, okay, like this is really throwing a spanner in the works. Yeah. You know? And I think the other thing is as well, like just because you've had an early an early baby doesn't mean mm-hmm. you can't hate pregnancy no like, pregnancy no. is so hard especially towards yeah. the end when you're big and you know it's hot and you're oh, yeah. uncomfortable and it's sore like you're allowed mm-hmm. to hate pregnancy and still be thankful that you're still pregnant I know I found whenever I kind of said to anybody that I wasn't having a great time I would always kind of leave with I'm really grateful that I'm pregnant and yeah. I'm this far along but yeah. I'm having a really crap time. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I can't do, I can't put shoes on. I can't yeah. like hold a pen properly, yeah. you know. Getting yeah. up is, you know, that uses like a whole day's worth of energy. It so, is hard yeah. no matter what experience you've had. It sucks. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like you I, know, I birth sucks. And, Everything sucks. <laughs> oh, I know. I went in for a... um. Because I, towards the end of Fergus's pregnancy was when we had that August lockdown. Right. Um, so he was he was due the start of October. Um, so we had that, that August lockdown. And that was when I was just getting to that point of like, you know, getting quite big. I think I was yeah. in like, you know, oh, it must have been like 33, 34 weeks um, at that stage. And that lockdown saved me. Like yeah. it was kind of like, I think I had like three weeks off work. I wasn't off work. I was working from home. Yeah. Um, but I had time but you could like, kind of like slow down and I could, you know, I wasn't doing school drop off. I yeah. wasn't having to drive to work and, and all of that stuff. And that saved me. And then I was only back at work for two days and then my <laughs> maternity leave started. So, you know, COVID Amazing. lockdowns were awful, but man, it saved me. Cause yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know how people work so late in their pregnancy, honestly, but me either. a round of applause for them because yeah. I was struggling. It is yeah. hard work. Oh yeah, and so like Hugo's all good now. He's normal, healthy, happy eight-year-old. He is. So we were really, really lucky. Um, all of our early intervention was done like right from when we left, yeah. um, up until he transitioned into school. So we went to the Champion Centre here, and um, we I think around when he was around about one and a half, we went into their kind of weekly program. Right. And in that weekly program, we were there for the morning and he had um, a huge range of therapists helping him. He had an occupational therapist. He had a, right. a speech and language therapist, yeah, a play yeah. therapist. We've got um, something similar in the Waikato. It's called the McKenzie Centre. Yeah. Mm. Oh, they're amazing. And that really, um, they picked up on a lot of little things that yeah. I would have missed being a mum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like his attention span was very, very short. Um, and And with that, you know, some really important learning stages he would miss because mm. his attention span purely wasn't there. Yeah. But they were great. They got that going. Um, his speech was quite delayed and they got on top of that. Um, and then they provided us with an AIE support teacher. Um, so she worked with Hugo one morning a week. Um, he was in home-based care, so she right. went there. And then she, when he started school, she was involved in that process too. So she would go to school one morning a week for about the first six weeks that he was there. Um, mm. You know, change for some of our wee preemies, mm. you know, is a massive thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, a thing that took uh, Hugo quite a long time to accept change. Yeah. And um, he just needed that little bit more support yeah and we were yeah. really really lucky to have the resources there um yeah. to support him and then health wise um they really prepped us for that you know you're most likely going to be back in hospital within your first year um you know his lungs are really vulnerable um mm. you know the, the chronic lung disease umbrella um was was hung over us and um we were really lucky we had no hosp- no hospital admission um Good. he had a little tiny um bout of pneumonia but that was able to be managed at home, which was great. Uh, so, you know, we really got, really got lucky. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's hard to know, like, you know, going back to the speech delays and stuff, he could have had those delays if he was born at term. I know. You just don't yeah. know, you know. No. It could you, just be him. Yeah, and you don't know at all. And like I look at his um, 
personality now and like he's a wee chatterbox he yeah. like his his vocab is amazing yeah um he know some words he'll say and i don't even know the meaning to them yeah. um like he's just a wee a wee sponge and then i look back yeah to all these issues we had with his speech and i'm like how yeah. like you forget you forget all the work you put in mm. um when you see the amazing result yeah. at the end like i and like so many of our friends and family have said as well, like you would look at him and you would never ever guess no. the type of birth that he had, you know, and how that looked and everything that happened to him. But you just you would never guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, really, isn't it? Yeah. As well. Yeah. A little miracle. It is. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your guys' stories. And I can't believe you went from a twenty-five week into a ten pounder. <laughs> I know, I know. But like I said when we were chatting earlier, um, I think this is so great to have all these different stories out there because eight years ago, um, when I was in the position that I was in, some, l- listening to something like this and hearing everybody's stories would have been so helpful. Yeah, um, for sure. Even just for a better, better understanding as well of kind of what to expect. Yeah. And, you know, what can happen in the future. You know, you can go on to have more children if that's what you choose to do and you know there are protocols and support in place if you choose to do that um as well you know I always thought he would be like you know my one baby and you know Mm. with what happened to him I wouldn't be able to have any more you know Mm. any more children so you know hearing all these amazing stories of all these amazing children and parents and babies is just it's so great it's wonderful yeah I hope it, I hope other people find it helpful as well. I've already had um someone message me saying from the last episode um about a heart baby messaging me saying yes, that yeah. their baby had been diagnosed with the same heart condition and they were mm-hmm. yeah just that that was why I started this you know so that people yeah. can can hear stories that they relate to and know that they can get through it or like they can be like you and go on to have these huge full term babies yeah. after having micro friends exactly exactly there's always hope so yeah that was Nikita's story with Hugo and then her um full-term baby uh Fergus I wanted to say Nikita again but her name is Nikita not the baby (laughs) anyway so yeah they had um a few little rough spots when they were in Niku bit scary for your three-week-old who should only have been 28 weeks to get um E. coli meningitis but he pulled through and yeah, he's happy and healthy now. And like we sort of said, you know, he could have had any of those delays as a full-termer. You just, you can't always put it down to prematurity. It could be a multitude of things. Um, but yeah, so I hope that this helps someone who maybe had a really early birth and is wanting to have a another child and is worried that they'll have another early birth. It's definitely not always the case. I know quite a few people that I was in NICU with have had well actually everyone I was friends with in Niku has gone on to have another baby including myself um at term so yeah it's very very possible that you could go on to have a full-term baby and I really hope that um you are given the support that you need to get to full-term if you want to have another child um but yeah so I hope you guys enjoy and yeah we'll chat soon bye <laughs>